Get ready to be inspired by the great things happening in rural education. The Rural Scoop will bring you new ideas and innovative solutions. We'll dive into education issues and we'll highlight what's working in your rural communities. You will hear from a variety of educators, administrators, professionals, and others who will provide relevant and engaging content in each episode. And now, serving up the scoop, here's your host, Dr. Melissa Seydorf. Well, welcome back, Rural Scoop listeners. I am super excited to talk to today's guest, another one of our Arizona Rural Schools Association's top 10 finalists for Teacher of the Year for 2023. And this is going to be an exciting conversation because actually my co-host Ty and her have some connections around location, which is often the case in rural. So I'm looking forward to uh, diving into that a little bit deeper. Um, I am... Uh, Melissa Sadorf. I'm the superintendent of the Stanfield Elementary School District, and I'm also the president of the Arizona Rural Schools Association. And honestly, Ty, I got to tell you, this year's group of top 10 finalists for Teacher of the Year were top notch. I'm just blown away by the quality of the teachers that we have here in our rural Arizona schools. So um, I'm really excited about being able to talk to today's guests. So Ty, why don't you, as my co-host for this uh, series, introduce yourself. So I, before I do, I'm going to say that that is a pretty reasonable thing to say because I didn't have to sit in the interviews, but having talked to some of them already, I'm glad I didn't have to sit in the interviews. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't know if that's shirking duty, but I'm grateful for that right now. <laughs> would have been so, a hard choice. It would have been hard choices. So my name is Ty White. I teach high school chemistry, and this year I'm teaching high school algebra in Wilcox, Arizona. Um, I've got to say, like, I don't know if my mom is listening now, or, but I've talked to her about some of the people I've gotten to interview, and she told me that our guest today has some really interesting and novel ways to introduce LEA. And it's it's it was more meaningful to me, though. She said this lady really goes out of her way to make connections with the kids. You know, I haven't had that lead on all of our people, but hearing that about our guest, I've been really looking forward to this today. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Karen Estridge to tell you a little bit, a little bit about who she is. Hi, my name is Karen Estridge, and I am an English teacher, and I teach seventh grade at the junior high at this time. Um, I've been teaching for 24 years, and I'm excited to be here today. Well, we're excited to have you. And and as Ty said, um, I know that there's some really good information that you're going to be giving our guests and excited to hear more about what rural education looks like in your part of, of Arizona. So, Ty, why don't you kick us off? You know, sure. So, you know, the first thing we always ask our guests is to tell us their story about becoming an educator. When did you know you want to be an educator? Or if it was a surprise destination, how that happened? You know, I have wanted to be a teacher since I was little tiny kid. I just loved being in school. I liked getting brand new crayons and I liked just reading. And so I knew right away, I knew for certain that I wanted to be a teacher. It's been a calling that I've had with me since a childhood. And it continues to drive my dedication to this day. I recognize early on that education has the power to transform lives. And I had many great teachers in my life that were influential. And I can't imagine not being 
anything but a teacher. Did you ever have a thought that you uh, might want to do something in addition to teaching? If, if teaching was it for you, did you ever have, hey, I might want to do in addition to teaching, I want, I want to be a writer. I might want to go back and teach myself for adults. Anything like that? I not really. Actually, I just have always loved teaching. I think, though, that if I weren't a teacher, I'd probably be a librarian um, just so that I could have the opportunity to influence students and kids with books and help them to foster that love of reading. Well, and that makes sense, given that you're an English language arts teacher. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Karen, one of the things that teachers have options around when they decide where they're going to teach is the location, the locale. So urban, suburban, rural, and you're working in a rural school district. So why did you choose rural? You know, um, partly just because of where I live, it made it very easy to choose that. But I will tell you that rural communities have a very close, tight community, and everybody knows each other. And that sense of community creates a supporting and welcoming environment. And that's for both the teachers and the students. And I'm really grateful that I get that opportunity to work with them very closely. Sometimes when you work in a larger school district with lots of people, it's hard to build that um, relationship in that community. Um, You know, another thing that I love about Holbrook is that it's so culturally rich and diverse. We have the reservation with the Navajo students. But we, all, we serve, I think, 1,500 square miles in our district. Wow. And so we have kids with backgrounds very diverse. And I really love that. I'm really excited that I get the opportunity to get to know them. And so I think that's probably why I continue to stay in the rural environment. I want to work that question a little bit farther because you're not necessarily, you're not a native Arizonan. How did you come from Ohio to rural Arizona? Well, actually, I didn't have a job anymore in Ohio. I taught for four years um, at a school in Ohio, but they didn't need me. Um, After a certain amount of time, they call it riffing, where they reduce the force, and my job was no longer available. And I could have been moved to, I think it was a high school position, but at that time, I thought, no, I want to teach elementary school. I want to be an elementary teacher. So I just put my resume out there. And I figured, you know what, I'm young and I don't really have a lot of family ties, so I could pretty much go anywhere I want to. And I was um, snatched up by uh, Dr. Corporich in Holbrook. So that's how I made it here. (laughs) And I haven't left since. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that um, you talk about the cultural richness in Holbrook and, and having spent part of my life up in that area. Like, I, I agree with that. That's a really great. I'm curious, what, um, how does that compare to where you came from? Ohio is known for having a lot of that Appalachian culture going on. You know, I actually um, worked in a very small, it was actually small and rural as well. It was very com- farm community. Um, and it was in, you know, it, it just, there weren't Native Americans. Everybody was the normal, typical white student with the far- the farm family and the parents that were all involved and there was very little uh, diversity. And when I got here and all of my students were Native American and they all had different cultural cu- cultures, that's what really um, made the difference. 
Okay. So, so then that being said about the valuing the diversity and the cultural richness, can you tell us what your favorite things are about, because you also spent some time in Indian Wells. Can you tell us what your favorite parts of that experience have been? You know, it was really cool just to, to learn about what the kids know and their traditions and to experience. I actually got to go on the reservation and one of my families invited me to what they call the Canalda. And it's um, when a, when a girl gets their um, period, they actually have a very special ceremony and I got to be a part of that. And so it's really neat that the parents really embraced us as Belagana, they call us the white people. And we got to really just be embraced in their culture. We have Native American weeks at the schools where we would learn more about their culture and we got dressed up and I actually was adopted by a family and they dressed me up in the Native American um, clothing. And yeah, so it's been fun to just kind of get to know them and learn their their history and their culture. Uh, we celebrate the Navajo Code Talkers and we learn a lot about that and how important their Navajo language is. So Karen, teaching in a rural and you've had a broad background as far as being able to see rural education, not only in just Arizona, but in Ohio as well. So teaching in a rural setting often comes with some very unique challenges and barriers. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered as a rural teacher? And what have you done to make sure that you're able to overcome them? Um, I've experienced lots of challenges during my career. Uh, one of them, I think, is just the needs, the varied student needs of um, the classroom. They they come with just different backgrounds. And a lot of times when you're teaching, especially reading, and they're reading something, if they don't have that background knowledge, it's very complicated for them to understand and comprehend what they're reading. Um they often don't have the concept or the idea or the perspective outside of their just their immediate environment. And that will give um, a lack of limited vocabulary. And it's just a real big challenge. So I have learned that I have to do a lot of pre-assessments and find out what they already know. And then maybe I have to pull up a video before we read to give them that familiarity. For example, uh, my students were reading about Pompeii and the fact that a volcano had ex had erupted and covered the city. And as I was talking to them, a lot of them just kind of gave me blank stares. And I was like, okay, what's going on? They didn't know what a volcano was. Mm -hmm. And so for them to understand when I'm talking about a volcano erupting and covering an entire city, they were lost and they didn't get it. And so I had to stop go back, find a video of a volcano and talk about what that is and what that looks like in order to help them comprehend what we needed. So I think you have to provide hands-on experiences. You have to give real life examples. Um, and probably one of the biggest thing is I just encourage them to read independently so that the more they read, the more background they're building. And then that helps facilitate their learning. Um, let's see, another challenge that I have is the parent involvement, uh, with the parents, a lot of them are avail their availability to come to school is limited. Most of them live with a grandparent or, um, their parents work outside of the area. And so they don't see their kids as often. So I do a lot of, uh, email and technology video chats, um, I try to create parent nights so that they can come in when they can. 
I think it's really important to build that contact with them early and give lots of positive feedback so that they're excited to hear from the teacher and it's not all negative. Um, so that's a real big challenge is that involvement with parents. And those are probably the main ones that I think of at this time. So one of the things that we always hear when we talk to rural teachers is that they end up taking on lots of different jobs in their school. They, they wear many hats, so to speak. Could you tell us about some of the extra things you do? Oh, well, it'd probably be easier to tell you what I don't do. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am a leader on our school site team. And our site team is um, a meeting with parents, teachers, students, um, administrators. We all come together and discuss the needs of the school. And at this time, I'm the coordinator. So I reach out and plan all the meetings and I take the notes and those types of things. Um, I mentor new teachers and I support them in anything that they need while they're trying to figure out this adventure of education. Um, let's see. I volunteer to help with the musicals. I chaperone school dances. Pretty much any extracurricular activity, you'll see me there. I am the treasurer for our... Um, Holbrook Education Association, and I attend all those meetings. I stay after school and tutor students. I often just stay and give them an opportunity because a lot of our kids don't have internet, and so they'll want to stay after school to get their work done. So I just stay after school and give them a place to hang out and get their work done. And yeah, that's that's a pretty good recap, but I'm probably forgetting a bunch of stuff. <laughs> You know, that one, just the extra place to be after school is an important one. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So, Karen, one of the things that Ty and I like to ask teachers is, what does the term rural advantage mean to you? Because there are some very unique opportunities that you have as a rural teacher and a resident in a rural community. So when you hear that term, talk about what that means. A rural advantage signifies the distinct benefits and opportunities that come with teaching in a rural setting. Um, even though I told you about these challenges that we have, there's still a really strong sense of community. And I have the opportunity to provide like individualized learning because we do have a little bit of a smaller school setting uh, with the class sizes sometimes. And, you know, it's really just, I think, the rural advantage is that we have a chance to make that lasting impact on students' lives that you may not get if you're not in a rural setting. Um, I cherish that opportunity to build those deep and meaningful relationships with the students and their families. And to me, that's what the rural advantage is. Good points. So this is a fun question. <laughs> but and I, and I really want you do not feel limited by this. What is one of your proudest moments as a teacher? What are those things you said you always wanted to be a teacher. Tell okay. us about those moments that really made you feel like, yeah, this is what I was meant to do. I think probably just seeing the light bulb come on for a student who has been struggling with something. Um, I mentioned that I'm a seventh grade English teacher, but I actually started out teaching second grade and then I moved to first grade and I've been through all the different elementary grades. But when I would teach them, you know, they walk in the door and they don't understand the language at all and they're struggling with reading and they start to finally get it that's just that satisfying feeling of knowing that you've made a difference in a student it's just 
it's so cool to watch their little light bulbs pop on and be like, I read that word, or I figured out what that means, or they answer a question and they get it right. Or I've had a lot of kids that come that are really shy and they just, especially in the Navajo culture, looking someone in the eye is very um, uncommon. But when the kids come to the elementary classroom and you're trying to get them to express themselves and you start to see them become confident in themselves and share their thoughts. That just, that's what makes my day. You know, that's what I live for. Um, there's a story. I just, I love this story. Um, but at the reservation, we, you know, the kids didn't have an opportunity to have fruits and vegetables. And so our school wrote a grant and we had, um, fruits and vegetables brought in. And so kids hadn't tasted like mango or jicama or anything like that. And so one day we got avocados and they tasted them and they thought they were gross. They were like, these are the worst <laughs> things ever. So I got the idea. I'll just make guacamole with it. I'm sure they'll love it with guacamole. And so I actually took in the tomatoes and I taught them how to take the avocados and turn it into guacamole. And then, um, so then I want you to fast forward to last year, I helped at grad night and some of my fifth graders were actually seniors and they saw me at the registration table. And that was the first thing they saw me. They were so excited and they were like, Miss Hutchridge, do you remember the guacamole? <laughs> <laughs> so I was so excited that that's what they, they love, you know? And I think I've learned from that, that yes, it's important to teach reading. Yes, it's important to teach writing, but students are going to remember the way they feel and how you treat them in the classroom. And it's so important to create those positive memories. And so for me, my proudest moment is anytime they remember something that we did in the classroom that they, they know that I loved them and that I cared about them. And just that, you know, they, they're good kids and they're successful in some way. It's nice when they come back and tell you how they were doing or what they did as a result of being uh, in your class. It's just that connection that it doesn't go away. Yes. Yes. And seeing, you know, on Facebook, they'll, they'll come on and they're just happy to see you. And I mean, now that I've taught long enough, some of my kids have graduated and are now graduates of college. And it's just that satisfying feeling of knowing you made a difference mm -hmm. in some way. You know, you can't just end with that. You already said it so much more powerfully in that answer when the kids come back and they remember something and they knew how much they were loved in the classroom that's i understand why you're one of our top teachers here <laughs> thank you so karen one of the things that uh, we also talk about quite often ty and i is what are the challenges that rural educators not just in arizona but across the country are facing right now and and how does that impact their ability to do their daily work with their students? And so what are some of those things that you know are, are challenges for your district in Holbrook or challenges for rural educators across the state of Arizona or even at the national level? What are some things that are rising to the surface, those things that might keep people up at night? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I think probably right now what I'm seeing is that students, especially in rural areas, are facing related mental health and wellness challenges. Um, they don't have access to the resources that they need or the services, and they're isolated, um, and the stigma around seeking help. Mm. 
I think it's so sad, but we are seeing more and more students that just don't feel good about themselves, that they just don't have that self-confidence or they struggle with depression or they've had so much loss in their life due to, you know, the pandemic and other things that, and they didn't really get a chance to deal with that. Um, And now we're feeling those repercussions of that. I think that's a huge thing. Um, I, I really try really hard to implement as many social emotional skills as I can into my classroom and, um, you know, promote respect and kindness to everybody and just try to help them feel like they belong. They need to know that they, they're, they belong. Um, I know our school did a really good job. We did provide a full-time school counselor now, and that's really making a difference. Uh, we, we're starting individual and group counseling, which is really important. We didn't have that before, and I see that making a difference. And really, I just think we need to make sure that everybody knows about the signs and the symptoms of that mental illness, all the coping strategies that we can teach the kids and what, how to access resources when they need them. I think it's just important that we really just take the time to do that. Um, I, I think a lot of people saw the gap in education and they're like, okay, now we've got to just push forward and push on as much reading and writing because they're behind and we need to stop and take a break and remember that they're kids first and that they did deal with things and that they need to have that opportunity to figure out themselves and, and gain that self-confidence back. So that's, that's really well said. And, and Karen, you bring up a good point about resources because really in a rural community, those assets may not be in place. And so the the school really does serve as the hub for those community services for those kids and their families. We we also um, have implemented, so our school is now just doing a four day, we have five days, but we only have the academic calendar four of those days. Mm -hmm. And so Fridays, we have a half day and we made it into what we call our PASS class. And PASS stands for Personal, Academic, and Social Success. So that we have those students are like our little community, our family, so that we can help them to become successful, not only academically, but as a, as a citizen of our junior high and how we can help them to be personally involved in their learning and grow as a, a social person and those types of things, which I think is also going to benefit our kids. That's a great program. We've seen lots of success. <laughs> how do you how do you help create that? Like, how do you choose the kids that are involved? Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit more about that? With the past class, you mean? Yeah. Every kid is involved. So we they've divided it up so that all the teachers have a specific set of kids that they're in charge of for that for Fridays. So every student is getting that personal academic social success. That's fantastic. Yeah, we've been very great. And then so like we spend a little bit of time doing makeup work and we also make sure that they're organized with their binders and they have all their supplies. And then like this week we did a a seventh grade kickball tournament just to try to help build that fun element into our we're getting ready for fall break. So we didn't have as much going on and it was fun to just do that. But we just build as many social opportunities as we can. 
Um, and we're hoping to also be able to use it for some academic support so that if students are doing well, they can get some enrichment or if they're struggling, we can reteach and try to support them there too. So, so this next question, there was a report released recently that shows, obviously it's not just an Arizona problem, but Arizona is really struggling with having enough certified teachers. And no matter what the route is, something like a third of, of positions are still open. You know, we're a pretty significant chunk into the year. I've always avoided treating problems as if they're zero sums, but there's a limited pool of teachers right now. How would you attract teachers to a rural setting? How would you convince them that this is where they want to be? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, <laughs> I just think that we need to make sure that teachers know that it's incredibly rewarding and fulfilling to be in a rural setting. You have the opportunity to build relationships, which is so crucial. And you get to know individuals, you get to know their needs, you get to know their strengths, you get to know their challenges. And when you can personalize that attention, it's gonna make a difference. And I think that if you're in a rural setting, then you can also embrace your community. Like I know, probably 90% of the families in this area. And it's easy to see them at the grocery store in different places and you just become part of a family. And so I would, I can't imagine ever leaving a rural setting because I think I would feel like a fish out of water. Like this is just, I feel so, I feel like I belong here. Um, I think it's important to, as an educator also to remember that you have to take and make a work-life balance you cannot just teach and work your entire career. You have to find a way to self-care and do things that are outside of the school as well. And I think that when you start to do that, you parents see you in a different light and the community just helps you to support. So I can't imagine not being a rural educator. <laughs> Well, Karen, is there anything that we haven't asked that you want to make sure that you highlight about either teaching in a rural community or your particular rural community in Holbrook? Well, I don't know if this is the answer to that question, but I think the one thing I would want to share is that when there are moments of difficulty, it's really important that you remember your why. Mm -hmm. um, something I've had, I've been to a lot of trainings lately, and that's been a focus is to remember our why. And so I actually have that as a, on my computer screen. And so that I see it all the time, but I think it's important to remember why, why I have chosen to become an educator. So on those tough days, I can just look back and be like, you know what? Yep. That was a challenging day. But the reason that I came to become a teacher was my passion for teaching and my desire to make an impact on students' lives. And when I have that, it's like those bad days just go away. And then all, all you remember are the positive things. So I think if I left to anybody with anything, it would be remember your why. I'd say that definitely answers that question. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And congratulations again for being an ARSA Top 10 finalist. It was a pleasure to be able to learn more about you and what you do up in Holbrook. Yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to The Rural Scoop. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, or even leave us a comment. And be sure to follow on Twitter at Dr. Sadorf. That's D-R underscore S-A-D-O-R-F so that you never miss a new release. 
You can also check out previous episodes of The Scoop wherever you get your podcasts. Production support for The Rural Scoop is provided by Chattanooga Podcast Studios. Find out more at chattanoogapodcaststudios.com. See you next time for more great discussions about rural education. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.